about uh, a trip to Wales, and uh, he wanted me to, to go and to, to be a part of the, uh, the ministry team and to share in some of the different churches. And so uh, we're grateful. My wife, beautiful wife Renee is with me, and I appreciate her and her support. I'm glad that we could be together. You know, it really, uh, the older I get, the more I realize, you know, we're all part of the body of Christ. You know, we're all part of the same church. You just happen to meet in this place where I meet several thousand miles away. But one day, as we talked this morning, when the church is right, when we go out, we're all going up together, amen, to meet the Lord in the air and to be with him forever and ever and ever. I want to talk to you this morning about a very simple statement that we have in the scripture. If you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 3 verses 19 through 21. But the title of the message is God is able. Amen. Aren't you glad God's able? I don't know where you're at in your life's journey, uh, but there's times when, when all we need is the Lord Jesus Christ. Even though we may not realize it, even though we may try to help ourselves and, and handle our own problems, our own situation. But Paul, in the, the letter to the church at Ephesians, he shares these words at the end of chapter 3, verse 19. He says, And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in him unto him be glory in the church by christ jesus through all ages world without end amen but in verse 20 it says unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask let's pray father we thank you for the reading of your word we pray now that your Holy Spirit be our teacher this morning, speaking to our hearts. Lord, I don't know the needs of the people here today, but you do. You know each individual. You know their heart. You know their need of salvation if they're not saved. You know their need of trusting you and looking to you and asking you to sustain them during the difficulty that they're going through. So bless our time, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yo, know, have you ever realized how big God is? Have you ever thought that sometimes that in our life situation, we try to handle things ourselves? We try to take care of the things ourselves. When something happens in our life, when a tragedy or, or sickness or suffering takes place, sometimes the first question that we ask is, what am I going to do? You see, it's never what am I going to do. It's always, God, what are you going to do? What are you going to do in my life? And so I want you to notice several things here this morning as we go through the Scripture. First of all, there's, there's man's acknowledgement in verse 19. You see, first of all, he says what? He says, to know the love of Christ. How many of you know the love of Christ? You don't just know about it. But you know it. You know, I've met your pastor just briefly. And I know some things about him. Brother Ed's told me much. 
Some of it was good, brother, and some of it was, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. But I don't really know him. Now, I hope to get to know him better over, the, uh, over time. And there's a lot of people who know about the love of Christ. You know what the testimony of another brother and sister. You know the experience some of your family members may have had. But do you really know the love of Christ? That's, that's what God wants you. God wants you to know that he loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He loved you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for you. Amen? That would make a Baptist shout, right? <laughs> and then, but have you ever thought about, why does God love me? You know, the scripture says the, that he wants you to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. You know, sometimes I have trouble loving myself. Sometimes I think, God, how could you love me? All the things that I've done. You know, there are some people who, who, will, who will not come to Christ, who will not be saved because they think that God cannot love them in the condition that they're in. I was that way. For several months, I, was, I came to church every Sunday. I wanted to be saved, but I thought I was too bad to be saved. I thought I had to quit doing this and that and, and, and drinking and smoking and cussing and all of these vile things. Until I realized God loved me just the way that I was. God loves me. God loves me with an everlasting love. And not only does God want to love you, God wants to feel you. God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. He wants you to, to, to experience him in the fullness of his glory. And so he says here, all the fullness of God. What does fullness mean? If I have a cup and it's only half full, is it full? What if it's three-fourths? What if it's just a little more? The Bible says, the psalmist said in Psalm 23, my cup runneth over. God, God wants to fill you. God wants to complete you. God wants you to experience him in his fullness and his glory. And to realize that, you need to understand something. God wants to be a part of your life. God doesn't just want to save you and set you aside and wait for you to go to heaven. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. And so we look here in, in verse 20. He says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. You see, how is God able to do the miraculous things he wants to do in our life? Have you ever thought about that? How many of you pray for God's blessings? But how many of us have prepared our hearts for God's blessing? Over in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 9, it talks about there's two blind men. And they're calling out to Jesus. And Jesus says, do you believe that I am able to do this? Am I able? Do you really think that I'm able to heal you? Do you really think that I'm able to give you your sight? And you know what they say? You know what Jesus said? They responded, yes. But Jesus says, according to your faith, let it be unknown unto you. You see, God has blessing after blessing that he wants to pour out on us. God wants to bless, but do we have the faith to believe him? Do we have the faith? 
Well, I'm not talking about knowledge. Do we have the knowledge? See, you could read the Bible. You could quote every verse in the Bible. But do you have the faith? Faith steps out into the unknown. Faith steps out to where we've never been. God wants us to live by faith. The Bible says we walk by what? Faith, not by sight. And so how is God able to do that? Through our faith. Why is God able to do it? First of all, listen, why? Because of man's inability. You do not have the ability to live in the fullness of the glory of God. In and of yourselves, you do not have that ability. And so it's important to realize that. Verse 20, he says, according to the power that works in us. As our brother said earlier in his prayer, listen, when we're saved, we are baptized by the Holy Spirit of God into the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. We are indwelt by the Spirit of God. And so God's ability is what? To do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask for. You know, I think the saddest thing is, and I don't know if this is true. I've heard preachers preach this. But when we get to heaven and we see all the blessings God had for us, all the times God wanted to work in our life, but our faith kept God from moving and working in our life. You see, we're to be a people of faith. We're a people of the word, but we apply that word through our faith and our belief in Jesus Christ. In Genesis 18, 14, God told Abraham, is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for God? You know, sometimes we limit God because we don't believe God will do what he says he will do. And then, listen, Jeremiah 32, 17 says, there's nothing too hard for you, God. There's nothing too hard for you. God can do the miraculous. God could save thousands. But do we believe that? Do we have the faith to trust that? And so what do you think about? Listen, I want to share some practical things with you this morning. What is God able to do? What is God able to do in your life? First of all, listen, God is able to love you. Amen. We have trouble loving one another. You know, the Bible says that we should love the brethren. But sometimes we don't even like the brethren. Amen. God didn't say if you wanted to. God didn't say if you felt like it. God didn't say you're to love them if they deserve it. God says love them. Why? Because he loves us. Did you deserve the love of God? Of course not. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, the Bible says. God's able to love you. He, he loves you with everlasting. And you know what? I don't care how many times you mess up. I don't care how many times you sin. God still loves you. You know, sometimes our love is based on performance. I love you because you love me. I love you because of what you do. God says, I love you because you are you. You're my child. And I want you to be a part of my family. Listen, God is able to forgive you. Do you sin? Of course we do. Even though we're saved, even though we're still the Holy Spirit of promise, we still live in this body of flesh. And so we will struggle with sin. The Apostle Paul said that the the things that I know I shouldn't do, I find myself doing them. And the things that I shouldn't, I don't. 
God is able to forgive you. You know what Satan will say? Oh, God will not forgive that sin. You've sinned too many sins. You've done too many things. God will not forgive you. You see, man may not forgive you, and the church may not forgive you, but God, when you come to Jesus, when you come to faith in Christ, when you come as a believer, the Bible says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Not only does he forgive you, he does what? He gives you a spiritual bath. Amen? God's able to forgive you. Number three, God is able to save you. And listen to me very carefully. If you don't hear anything else today, if you're here today and you're not sure about your relationship with Jesus Christ, this may be the most important moment in your whole life. God is able to save you. Let me tell you something. It's not about you being good. It's not about you being religious. You know what the Bible, I, I, I talk to people many times, they say, well, I'm a good person. I, de- I deserve to go to heaven. I, I'm a good person. How can you be a good person? The Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All, not some, all. God doesn't say, oh, if you go to church and if you pray and if you give some money and you serve, you help with the children. No. That doesn't save you. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. When you come to Jesus, you come to the foot of the cross. You come in humility. You come in brokenness. You come and you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He will save you. He died for sinners. That's what the Bible says. We're all sinners. You say, well, I'm a good sinner. I'm I'm a righteous sinner. I I don't do the sins you do. I don't do all those bad things. I just do the little bad things. Friend, let me tell you, in the eyes of God, sin is sin. All it takes, if you're going to go to heaven by being good, you know how you have to go? You have to be perfect. You have to have never sinned in your whole life. And if you say you haven't, you're sinning right now because you're lying. Amen? We've all sinned. We all sinned. There's no good sinners. There's no bad sinners. There's sinners. And Jesus died for our sins. God is able. You know, I've, I've, I've talked to people, and I know you have, Pastor, who think that they've, they've sinned too many sins, that their sins are so bad, oh, that God couldn't save them. You know why they think that many times? Because the church will not accept them. Go back to the Gospels. Look at the life of Jesus. Who did Jesus reach out to? The sinners, the sinners, the woman caught in adultery and they bring to Jesus and they want to condemn her, they want to stone her, they want to put her to death. Jesus says what? He who's never sinned. If you've never sinned, then you can judge her. But if you... 
you cast the first stone. And what happened? They're all gone. They were the religious people. They were the church people. They condemned her. God is able to save whoever. Not only is God able to save you, God is able to keep you saved. Amen. You know, I deal with some people and say, oh, I lost my salvation. How can you lose your salvation? John, uh, John, in John's gospel, John chapter 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And he used the comparison of what? There is, a there is a physical birth in life and there is a spiritual birth in life. Let me ask you something. Can you be unborn physically? Of course not. Your parents may d disown you. They may dislike you. You may have, have, have ruined their name and they may forsake you, but, but you're still their child no matter what. Listen, it doesn't matter what you've done. It, it doesn't, I mean, God wants us to walk in fellowship with him. God wants us to walk in righteousness as the Bible teaches. But the Bible tells us, listen, in Hebrews 7, 25, it says, therefore he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Yeah, I love that word uttermost. You know what that means? <laughs> that means the vastness of God's ability to save you. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, if we're saved and we're God's children, we're where? In the hands of God. How big are God's hands? How big are God's hands? Can you fall out of God's hands? You, listen, friend, you're not hanging on to God. God's holding you in his hands. You may fall down in his hands, but you will never fall out of his hands. Friend, don't worry about it. Let, that doesn't give you a liberty to sin. It gives you the freedom to live in the fullness of God's glory. It's not my performance that keeps my saved. I, I'm saved by grace, and I'm kept by grace. Not only that, listen, God is able to sustain you. How many of you have a need this morning? How many of you have a problem? Guess what? If you don't have a problem now, you will be having one probably very soon. Because why? Listen, one of the promises of Jesus is in this world you will have tribulation. You will have problems. But you know what he's also promised? My grace is sufficient for all that you'll go through. Let me tell you something. I can testify this morning that God's grace is sufficient. I'll just share with you very briefly. And we had three sons. All three were military. We had a United States Marine a uh, United States Army Ranger and a United States Marine. And our youngest son was killed in Iraq in 2005. If there's anything any worse than losing a child, I, I pray to God that I never experienced that. There, there was a time, there were some days I didn't think I was going to make it. There were some times I, I, I just, I could not believe I quit. When he left to go, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed as, as I never prayed before. God keep him safe. God protect him. He told his mother, he, he didn't share this with me, but he told his mom, he said, don't be surprised if I don't come back. And they stayed up one night, and he made all of his, all the arrangements, all the plans 
He wanted to be buried in Arlington Cemetery in Washington, D.C. He shared all the details. Most devastating thing. Can you, can you imagine walking up to the casket and there's your 24-year-old son? I was devastated. I was beyond devastated. My heart was broken. My heart, let me tell you, 18 years, and it still hurts. It's still broken. But I can tell you something. I can, I can stand uh, in, here today and, and speak to you in the fullness of God and his truth that every day God has blessed me. Every day his grace has been sufficient to get me through. Every day. He hasn't taken away the hurt. He hasn't taken away the pain. He hasn't taken away the loss. It's all real. It's, all gonna, it's always going to be there. But he's given me just enough grace to make it through. He sustains me. He says, listen, he, 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 he will not allow his righteous children to suffer need. Whatever problem you have, whatever need you're going to experience, God is able to sustain you. God is able to carry you through. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. All your need, not part of your need, not some of your need. You don't have to do part of it and then he's going to do the rest. He will give you his grace and his mercy and his strength. Go through whatever you have to go through. Listen, God is able to solve your problems. Amen. We all have problems. Your problem may be sitting beside you. I don't know. <laughs> I'm joking. I learned that from Ed. <laughs> I'm kidding. God, listen. He says he's now, now to him who is able to establish you. That's what he's saying here. God is able to solve your problem. You remember in the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and, and they were the three Hebrew young men who, who were taking a stand for God, and, and they told him what? You either got to bow down and worship the statue of Nebuchadnezzar, or you're going to be what? You're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. Here's what they said. Here's what they said. They, said, they told him, they said, Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. Our God is able. God is able. God knows, you. God knows your problem. God knows your situation far better than you know it. All right. God is able to do what? And then, listen, if you go on and read there, and they say, if, if he chooses not to, you know what? That's okay, too. And what happened? They threw him in the fiery furnace, and Nebuchadnezzar looked in, and he said, what? Didn't we throw, put, throw in three? There's four in the furnace. Who was the other one in the furnace? The Lord Jesus Christ. He goes with you into the fires of the problems of your life. And then listen, God is able to protect us from the attacks of Satan. Sometimes I hear people say, well, I don't, I don't feel like Satan's attacking me. You know why Satan's not attacking you? Because you're not living for God. If you're already backslidden, if you're already sitting on the pew doing nothing, why is Satan going to mess with you? <laughs> those who sell out to Jesus Christ, those who want to be what God would have them to be, those, those who want to be on, on fire for God, those are the ones Satan's going to attack. Satan's going to constantly be buffeting you. 
He's going to be attacking you. He's going to keep you. Listen, Satan wants, three things Satan wants to do. He wants to discourage you. He wants to distract you. And ultimately, he wants to defeat you. You see, he wants to distract you. You're doing, listen, sometimes people are, li- are doing, living for the good and not living for the best. Sometimes what, what you're doing is good, it's good, but it's not what God wants you to do. God has a perfect plan. God has, has a, pur- a purpose for your life and what you're doing. And so Timothy says this. Listen, he suffered all these things. He's a, he's, he's a t- Satan's attacked him, but God has established him, and God kept him in the, going in the right direction. Think, think about Listen, Timothy, God used Timothy in a tremendous way as Paul's uh, associate pastor, if we want to use that term. But then there was one, Demas. You remember Demas? You know, there's, there's really only one sentence in all the scripture that talks about Demas. And what does it say? Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. That's why our churches are, we're not reaching people. We're not, they've what? They've forsaken. They've fallen in love with the world. They're lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And then the last thing I want to share with you are in verses 16 and 17. You see, first of all, we're to be empowered by the Spirit. Look at verse 16. He says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through the Spirit in the inner man. You see, we're to be empowered by the Spirit. How can we experience what God wants us to experience? Through what? Through the Holy Spirit. Through surrendering, giving your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. Listen, if you're here today and you're, you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you see, it, it, all, that's, it begins at the cross. It begins at the cross. That's where you, you have to go to the cross. Why? Because that's where Jesus died to pay the penalty of your sins. He reconciled you to God. He, listen, he died for you. He took your sins upon him on the cross and he died. He paid that penalty. And it is now only through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that you can be saved. But it's not just simply the cross. It's his, listen, it's his death, it's his burial, it's his resurrection. We don't serve a dead Savior. We serve a living Savior, amen? And the thing to realize is what? Now, listen, the very moment you get saved, the moment you trust Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into your life and empowers you. Now God is able to do abundantly and exceedingly more than you could ever think and imagine and comprehend. God wants to do a great work here in this church, in my church, in every church. He wants people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But then he says what? He says that they, in verse 17, he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what the love of Christ really is, the depth, the height, the width. All of that's what he's saying. God wants you to realize this morning that he wants to do great things in your life. God is able to do far beyond what you can even imagine. If you're here today and you're lost, let me tell you something. 
The Bible says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. You see, it's no accident that I'm here today. It's no accident that you're here today. You see, God has brought us here today for you to hear these words so that you could be saved. So you could be born again. So you could have a brand new life in Christ Jesus. It's that simple. You say, well, what, what, what? you don't understand. No, you don't understand. God's made salvation very simple. Jesus said, if you don't come as a child, you can't come. You can't come with all your arrogance and foreknowledge and all of those things. You simply come broken in need of a Savior. And my friend, Jesus wants to save you. There are many of you as Christians, you're living far below. You're living in the poverty of self instead of the riches of the Savior. Amen. I don't know about you, but I want to experience all that God has for me and all he's promised. Amen. You know, one of the greatest things in our situation with our son, one day we're going to see him again. He was saved. He was saved. He told his mom that last night. He told, she said, aren't you afraid to die? He said, no, I'm not afraid to die. I know where I'm going. I remember baptizing that little fellow when he was a small child, which baptism doesn't save him. But to know one day, one day these old eyes are going to close in death. If the Lord tarries, <laughs> if the Lord tarries, these eyes are going to close in death. And you know what's going to happen? Listen, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The very moment these eyes close, the very moment I take that last breath, I'm in the presence of Jesus. And I, th th this may not be true. Don't, don't tell me, Pastor, if it's not. But I'm going to see Jesus, but I'm going to see my son. You know, one of the last things we did before he left, before he got on the bus, he took me and, and we hugged each other. But he hugged me. I mean, I'm a big man. He hugged me and literally almost picked me up off the ground. I mean, he hugged and I was like, whoa, good gracious. And when we stepped back, there were tears streaming down his face. And he knew it and I, God told me, I'll never see him again here on this earth. But I, I believe this. I believe this. And if I'm wrong, don't tell me. But we're going to see each other. I believe, I don't know if it's on the streets of glory. I don't, I don't know where, if it's at the throne of God. But I believe he's, he's going to, I'm going to see him. And he's going to embrace me. And he's going to hug me. And we'll be forever with the Lord. Amen. Would you bow your heads? His heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. In the stillness of this moment, right where you are seated, if you do not know Christ, he's there. He's there wanting to come into your heart, wanting to come into your life. He's wanting to forgive you of your sins. He's wanting to save you. He's wanting to make you his child for all eternity.
Would you ask him to come in? Would you open the door of your heart and say, Lord Jesus, I want you as my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me and make me your child. You see, friend, it's not necessarily the words from your mouth saying the right words. It's speaking from your heart. Do you want Jesus in your life? Do you want to be saved? Do you want to be in that number as we sang earlier when the trump of God sounds, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with the Lord forever. God's inviting you. God's inviting you today to come into his kingdom. As a believer today, maybe you're struggling, maybe you're discouraged, maybe you're defeated. Oh, my friend, you're living far beyond that which God, far below what God would have you to live. God wants to bless you. God is able to do more than you could ever imagine, than you could ever believe. Let's pray. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. We thank you for the privilege to stand here today and proclaim your truth. But Lord, I pray for that one right now, that one, the Lord, that's lost. That one that even now is debating and, and maybe even saying no to you. Lord, help them to realize that they are perishing without you. They will slip out into an eternity separated from you forever and ever and ever in a place called hell. But today, today is the day. Today is the day, Lord, that they can experience eternal life. Bless this invitation. Bless, may they respond to you, Lord, not to me, not to this church, but may they respond to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor. Amen. Just want you to remember a few things this week. When you come to a point where you say, I can't, can't, I can't do this. I can't cope with this loss. I can't live this life. I can't take another step. Then you just need to remember God can because he is able. There's many things that we are unable to do. We are unable to deal with the loss of a loved one. We are unable to live a victorious Christian life in our own strength. We are unable to literally put one foot in front of another sometimes because of the weight of the, the battle that we face in this world every single day. But God's not asked us to. God has said that with him, all things are possible. We can do everything because it's Christ that strengthens us. We can't, but God can because he's able. That's a much needed message today. And I just pray that whatever you were facing this week, you'll be mindful that while you can't, God can Amen. Let's stand and sing our last hymn together as we close out our service. Amen.
pray. Father, we are thankful again, Lord, for this time together today. We're thankful, Lord, for the privilege of being able to come before your throne of grace, to be able to come and ask for your help in a time of need, to recognize your strength in our time of weakness, to recognize your comfort in our time of mourning, to recognize your help in a time of our great need. And Father, we pray that you would just bless each and every one here today that has been under the sound of your word, that you would help us, Lord, to recognize this week that we can't do this on our own strength, but we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. We're thankful for the fact, Lord, that you've not left us here comfortless, but you have provided another comforter. And I'm thankful, Lord, that we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God that guides us, helps us, teaches us, directs us, and is able to give us an understanding of the scripture when needed. So, Lord, I pray this week that you would enable us to recognize that even while we can't, you can, and that you are indeed able. What a mighty God that we serve. And, Father, I pray once again, if there's anyone that's been under the sound of your ministry today that has yet to trust Christ as their Savior, that they would come to a saving knowledge of Christ before it is too late. Lord, we just ask as we go our separate ways, we would go with you a blessing. And Father, I pray that you'd help us to recognize all that you do in our hearts and our lives, and we'd be mindful to praise you for it. We love you and praise you, and we ask all of these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our soon-returning King. Amen.